twerking drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today is my interview with drummer John Root. John defines what it means to be a working drummer in Nashville, Tennessee. Since his move to Nashville in 1993 from Connecticut, John has covered it all from international touring to studio work to maintaining a steady stream of work in Nashville's lower Broadway district. John pulls from his years of experience in creating full-time work for himself, as well as defining success on his own terms. As always, you can go to WorkingDrummer.net where you can find out more information about this podcast, see pictures, and find out information about other podcasts we've done. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Go to iTunes. You can subscribe to this podcast where a new episode will be sent to your smart device. Uh, please, if you will, leave a comment, rate the podcast. It really helps us out a ton. Let's get to it. Here is John Root. The gig that you had, you were playing with the band five days a week. Oh, Lower Broadway. Yeah, Lower yeah, playing Broadway. with the band on Lower Broadway, doing uh, five or six gigs a week, and that's I, that's I, a, that's a reliable. It's it's, thing. it's, it's every income. week. It's, it's income in, every week. Yeah, yeah right. And uh, it's an account. And uh, I get, I came down with the flu, and so I was out for two weeks. And then I had a week planned away where I was going to Kansas to play with a different band. Okay. And so in that time, they they kept working and they subbed out to uh, to Rick McClure. And so Rick mm-hmm. was doing the gigs, mm-hmm. and Rick at the same time was playing with Lori Morgan and playing the Opry. Yeah. So Rick would bring the singer, you know, she she wanted to meet Lori Morgan. He brings her to the Opry, and she's all, you know, st- you know, stargazing at the Opry, right. and she gets it in her head. Well, geez, you know, John's been with me about four or five years, but you know, if if Rick was my drummer, I'd get to go to the Opry all the time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I get the phone call, <laughs> hey, we're yeah. gonna make a change. Yeah, yeah. And you just, you, you know. Uh, I talked my way into her giving me a month notice instead of it just being cold and hard, you know? Yeah. Because I, I was planning on the, you know, of course, planning on paying bills, you know? Right, right. And uh, she felt bad about it, but she was still standing by what she wanted to do. And uh, Did she have an explanation or was it? It, it was just, we're going to make a change. It was just that, you know, some she'd heard somewhere that that's what you say in Nashville <laughs> when you don't want to tell the truth. Man. And uh, so, boom, you know, I'm, I'm down to nothing, you know? Yeah. And thankfully today I've, I've got five steady gigs a week and it's with four different bands. Yeah. So I don't have all my eggs in one basket now. Yes, yes, yes. So if something, if someone takes a week off or, or something were to happen, you know, I still have other work. Right, right, right. And, you know, it's funny because I always relate that whole idea to mutual, mutual funds. Mutual funds, right? Where you diversify, right? Uh, because if uh, one stock plummets, you've got uh, some backup. Yeah, uh, this is coming from somebody who has very little investment, but <laughs> <laughs> the analogy fits. Yeah, and um, if you're in a position where you can have many plates spinning, you know, uh, gig wise and otherwise, we were just talking about this before because I was saying, man, it's like a there's the road gig and then I've got family stuff and then the podcast thing is going on and we we're talking about diversifying and that's kind of what you have to do in the music business. 
without getting too far off, though, I mean, that's, that's kind of how you make it work. Right now, some people have one gig, and that's me right now, you know, right. in general. Um, but uh, I think you have to find ways to, uh, if it's not playing, maybe other things. Maybe it's, maybe it's teching. Maybe well, I've it's- got the drum tech thing I do yeah. for eight stages downtown, and I still got my hands on drums, so yeah. I feel fortunate. You yep. know, that they're paying me to take care of, you know, their drums. Yeah, and you've been doing that for a little while. Probably about eight, nine years. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's the one thing. Okay, so, well, tell me real quick. Let me, let me just finish this. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, I've got no hard feelings with Rick, you know, right. for what had happened. Rick didn't say, hey, give me the gig and I'll take you to the Opry. You know, it was yeah. it was just the way things happened and, yeah. and Rick felt real bad about, you know, him yeah. stepping in after I was cut loose. Yeah. But you know, it's, that's just the way this stuff works. You right, know? right, right, right. And I uh, think that's an important point though. I mean, and then two months later, she moves out of town. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so it, so it's possible. It's quite possible that you and Rick could have gotten into it over that. Oh yeah, and and sullied that some relationship or but friendship. Gonna, yeah, but it's business, and yeah. you can't take this stuff personal. No. You, and that's really hard because we put our heart on our sleeve. We're playing. We're making people happy. Ooh, I'm playing drums. You know, this yeah, is yeah. so great. It's just business. We're business, just like yeah. a, a lawyer working yeah. at Mapco, yeah. a garbage man. It's yeah. the same thing. Right, it's, right, it, right. We're not special because we play music. Yeah. I don't think so. Well, no, I think you're right. I mean, I think you have to observe it that way if this is what you do for a living. Yeah. I mean, you have to be real careful. I mean, you have to protect yourself, especially maybe more so if you're a hired player or if you're, you work as a hired gun. Um, again, I mentioned to you that, you know, I, I did a session in Columbus years ago, and then they, they said, here's the record. Oh, by the way, three of the tracks, we got someone else to replace your parts. I couldn't, you know, it's like it kind of it kind of hurt, but it's like that was a lesson right there. That it's not about me. My name wasn't on the record except maybe in the credits in the very bottom small print. Right. It's not about no, me. No, you're not, uh, you're not all of a sudden a member of the Opry because the artist you're working for is playing the Opry. Yes. <laughs> you know, don't yeah. feel like, hey, you know, I'm on the Opry now because yeah. that changes yeah. in a minute. Yeah. You didn't play with John Fogarty because your band opened up for the opener that opened up for John <laughs> right, Fogarty. Right. You didn't share the stage really with, you know, <laughs> I've shared the stage with John Fogarty. You know, there's he played a, the fair two weeks later. You know, <laughs> there's a, um, a really cool band on one of the cruise ships. They're from um, Quebec. And um, these guys are sweet. They're really awesome. We, we'd hang with them on some of these cruise ship gigs. And um, they said, yeah, these guys played with Asia. You know, a couple of the members have worked with Asia. And I was like, wow, that's cool. So I'm hanging out with them. I said, so what's the story about you guys working with Asia? And it's like the guitar player played in a band. And when Asia came through his town in Quebec, they opened up for them twice. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, grasp on to whatever you can. Right, right, right. I guess, you know. And of course, I'm like, that's awesome, man. That's really cool. Um, and they were proud of that. And that happened in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Asia was hot, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they were opening for Asia yeah, a month right, ago. Right. Hey, man, you know, it was the heat of the moment. <laughs> it was so the heat. Of the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the. 
this something this reminded me of is when I first came here um, in 1993. Got, nine, yeah, like 23 years ago yesterday. Yeah. I came here on a Wednesday, and on Friday I had a gig playing every Friday night on the Grand Ole Opry on the gospel show. Yeah. There's a gospel show every Friday night after the Opry. And so because of that, all of a sudden I was like bona fide, you know, <laughs> where, you know, you come to town, you got to get some gigs under your belt or whatever. So people sure. get to know you or, yeah. hey, who's this new guy type of thing? Yeah. Well, I just slipped right into this spot. And so the musical director, you know, was hiring me for these sessions. And so I'm playing, you know, with... A team, literally the A team guys, you know, yeah, yeah. Caps and Billy Linneman and Mike Leach and just all, all these players. And uh, once in a while, the uh, the band leader, the musical director, he would hire another drummer instead of me for these sessions. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, you know, new to town. And I'm like, I'm upset about it. I'm like, man, you know, I should say something to him that, you know, you don't treat, you know, I'm your guy. I'm here for the gigs. You mm-hmm. know, why are you hiring mm-hmm. these other people? You know, he's hiring like, Buddy Harmon and Gene Chrisman instead of me. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you can't you can't feel that way. You know, yeah. you, it, what what good's it going to get you if you did say something? Mm-hmm. You know, is he going to call you again? Are you going to lose the gig you already have with him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's Buddy Harmon and Gene Chrisman. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. those are you know stellars of the society here. Right, right, right. And right. you just you have to learn that. This is business, you know, and yeah. you got to be fortunate for any phone call you get. Exactly. And I, I mean, and to be in that company, though, that's got to mean something, too. You, you learn. I mean, oh, uh, with Mike Leach, I'm at, the, I'm at the session. I'm real green in town. And Mike Leach is a bass player, played on Always On My Mind, uh, Elvis Presley Records, The Box Tops, The Letter, just major. And, uh, and I say to Mike, hey, Mike, so, you know, what, what pattern are you going to play on the verse? You know, what pattern are you going to play in the chorus? Thinking, you know, half note, dotted. Yeah. And he looks at me and he goes, I don't play patterns. I play music. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and you, I just, like, wanted to crawl underneath my drums, <laughs> like, you know. Oh, my God. What, and then, what's he mean, you know? And then, you know, just learning and growing into that, you know. Do you That's think he was just busting your balls because it's just a kind of... I think he, he was kind of busting my balls a little bit. But I, I also feel like, you know, he, was, he wasn't going to... He wasn't going to have, you know... He didn't want to waste his time talking about it. Yeah. You know, it's like Tommy Wells would say, you know, you never talk with the bass player about what you're going to play. You just play it. Yeah. And especially you listen to, listen to old Waylon records... And, you know, the, what's going on between the bass drum and the bass guitar is not always the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, the bass player's playing quarter notes, but the, the drummer's playing half notes mm-hmm. on the kick. And then there's little inflections. And then, oh, the, the drummer heard the bass player put that inflection. So then he does it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're, you're having a conversation. Yeah. And then you grow the arrangement so that maybe, maybe the last chorus you're playing four on the floor. Yeah, you know, to build the song that way. Yeah, but you're doing it because you're listening to what everyone else has to say, yeah. not doing it because. Yeah. Oh, this is the way this song goes. Yeah. And I think what happens is, a lot of those guys they're tracking and they're taking the first take or the second take. So when that conversation is happening and people are reacting off the music, there's that magic 
that happens. Right. And I notice that on recordings because, man, I am the same as you. I would be in there and like, hey, what's the pattern? What's are we gonna do? Are we gonna do? Uh, you know, just straight up uh, on the chorus and then, uh, or, or on the verse, just quarter notes on the verse and then maybe uh, the end of two on the chorus, you know, something like that. And, and we've had those conversations and the bass player's like, yeah, let's try that. And and we sterilize it. Yeah. Because I had a chance to uh, talk Tommy Wells into letting me hang out at a session, a demo session. And I noticed that was one of the things I noticed. And this was when I first moved to town that he and the bass player did not have that conversation. They just went in and played. And I'm like, how do they know to change the pattern in the chorus? Maybe they work together all the time and maybe they did, but that wasn't the point. They were having that conversation. Right. And, and that's just, you got to be that way with the rhythm guitar, with the with the keyboard player. Yeah. I mean, it's not just with the bass player, but it's everyone there. We're trying to take all our individual parts and make one voice with it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It because when that's captured, that's it. Seems like you do three, four, five takes, and then you go. Let's listen to that first take, that second take. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, there's might be a punch here or there, but. That's magic. Yeah. Yep. You know, even if you're new at it, you're still making music like those A guys that are in recreating magic every time. Right. Just reacting off of there, It's just, that's it. It's just reacting. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds so much better. Yeah, it does. It really yeah. does. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, and I know we've, Tommy's come up several times and what's it been? Like two years that he passed away? Uh, Maybe two and a half. But for those who don't know, Tommy Wells was, he was just kind of like a mainstay here in Nashville as far as a session player and, uh, and, uh, hockey lover and just overall sweet guy. One of those guys that would see you and talk, would ask you more questions about you than you ever could about him. Yep. And it would always be like at Forks. Hanging yeah, on the counter, yeah, sitting yeah, on the yeah. drone stools. Yeah, that stuff was so valuable, um, for sure. Well, tell me about, um, if you would, like, what does this week look like? Because we've juggled this schedule right. to get together um, based on what's going on. Well, uh, I had I had a session on Wednesday for uh, an album for a family from Norway. That's cool. That was pretty cool. One song was, you know, about uh, rowing a boat across the fjord, and another song was in the shadow of the forest, and yeah. And then we did some like, like hippie '60s, like Doors type of, you know, psychedelic thing. Yeah. And then uh, Thursday, I had a, a gig on Lower Broadway mm-hmm. uh, with a, a contemporary band, Mike and Robin. Uh, yes. Stone Silo. Yeah. You know them? Yeah, I do. And with uh, Alex and Will. And oh, it's just cool. great players yeah, and just, sure. you know, fun. Today, uh, I'm here and I have a gig tonight at the rooftop of the stage. Yeah. 6 to 10. And then I'm playing Layla's tomorrow night, 6 to 10. Okay. Okay. And normally on Wednesdays, but I had the session come in, is uh, I play with a, a Western swing band, a seven-piece Western swing band. Yeah, yeah. What's is is that Kevin Key playing guitar? No, no that's a that Roberts some... thing with okay. uh, John England. This is with Mike Seiler okay. at Legends, and okay. Mike's played Legends for like seventeen years. This is is this what time of day is this? Two to six. Okay, so it's an earlier thing. Yep. I know uh, anybody that comes to Nashville. If you go to Roberts, you're going to hear more traditional 
type swing, uh, country western type right. stuff. Uh, Legends on the corner though does not always have. No, it's it's more country in the morning and afternoon, and then it, it goes more rock and roll. It morphs yeah, as the night. time. Yeah. Um, tell me about that session though. Uh, about uh, like you had these people where they did they speak English? Well, they did speak English, and the guy that owns the studio, uh, he speaks Norwegian. <laughs> so nice. he was a singer over in Norway for years. Okay, and uh, so there was there was no communication problem. Okay, and was it you by yourself? No, it was me, uh, bass player and guitar player, Gage and Kevin. Yeah, and uh, and we hear we'd hear the song one time. Yeah, we'd talk over the chart. Yeah, and pretty much put it down on the first take. Nice. And Gage is a player that yes. knows that we're gonna play cat and mouse. That don't listen to me, don't look look at me. You know what I mean? Just do your <laughs> it's thing. It's hard to miss. Just yeah, just do your thing, and I'm gonna do my thing, and we're gonna we're gonna. We're going to end on the same page, you know? Right, 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 right. What kind of music was it? Uh, it was like, that was like a brush and a stick on the first song, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly mainly just played muted snare drum with the brush and brought the stick in at the bridge. Yeah. Uh, cross stick. Then the second song was uh, two brushes, wire brushes on that one. The third song was a, was a train beat, uh, nylon brushes, and... So it was more. So it was kind of country. It was folky folk, country, country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then the psychedelic song was different than the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did the uh, How did the gig come about? I mean, did uh, well, did you Paul know? used to play on uh, Broadway, and I played in his band yeah. for seven years. Okay. And oh, got, the owner of the yeah, that's Paul Gannon. Yeah, we were Paul Gannon's Swampgrass Band. Okay. And we played okay. Legends for seven years straight. Yeah. Okay. So when this stuff comes up, do you work with Paul a lot? Yeah, pretty fairly. Is this often. Big Ear Studio? Big Ear Studio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. yeah, man, that's cool. Yeah, that's and then great. Kevin Key, I, you know, I play on his fiance's records, and we play on different records together, mm-hmm. and Gage and I just always kind of yeah. understand each other. So. Yeah, so it comes from these mutual relationships, it's, these yeah. friendships, these the people that you work with and 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 it's like a satellite of 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 networking, uh, people that you've worked with in the past and 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 currently and right. all and that who stuff. they trust, you know. Yeah, yeah. Especially being a drummer, you're the last new guy they're going to bring in on a session. Because, you know, if you screw up, then yeah. everybody's got to come back. Yeah. Basically, you know, yeah, where you know, like a fiddle player, that you know, they can always just overdub. It's easier to overdub a fiddle player yes. than it is to re- redo the drums or play on top of someone else's track. Right. I love that. You're the last new guy they're gonna, or the last <laughs> less trustworthy yeah. individual that's got to be there. And that makes it hard as a drummer to try and break into the studio scene because who they don't want to take a chance necessarily on a new guy. Because, you know, they want to make sure it's done on time, on budget. Right. And if your part isn't right, they can't move forward. Right. Because you're the first guy. Uh, ironically, the session I hung out with with uh, with, with Tommy was, uh, he was overdoing someone's drum part. <laughs> I think they did three songs, and one of them was just him by himself. So they did two songs as a group. And then, uh, hey, Tommy, I got one thing for you to do. Guys, I think we're done with you. And they went on to their whatever lunch and did something else. And then 
they kept him behind and he just overdid the drum part of a thing and a couple weeks ago i actually did a record with a guy who left the drums as the last thing <laughs> nice <laughs> not the not the most traditional thing to do um <laughs> uh, and um but it was interesting because I knew what the bass player was doing because he had already done his part. <laughs> That's a very rare circumstance. Yeah. You, uh, I'm not undermining your point, but it is it is true. The drummers drums have to be there before yeah. they can move on. Well, it's the feel, you know. It's yeah. the whole yeah. approach of the song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To go in afterwards is kind of like you know, you're just you know polishing the dishes. Right. Kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, can we talk a little bit a little bit about uh, Broadway? Yeah, and kind of what it has. It's come up uh, several times uh, in the in the podcast, and it has changed so much. Yes, um, I've worked down there off and on since I've moved here. Um, there are players that are very invested in what's going on down there, and um, when I meet people, and there's different scenes around Nashville, and there are players that have never played down there. Uh, and there's 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 different scenes, and when I travel around the country and even around the world, for that matter, anybody that's been to Nashville, they know Broadway, and they know a key, a couple key places. But it is, it is so much part of the personality of the scene. Whether it's like whether you refer to Beale Street, right, uh, in Memphis. Bourbon Street. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, Bourbon, yeah, Bourbon, no, Bourbon Street. Yeah, Bourbon New Street. Orleans, yeah. Right, New Orleans. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's different. <clears throat> there's different places, and um, so could you explain kind of what it is, how it's changed in the last yeah. twenty years? Maybe some good, bad stuff. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, the pay is one thing that has definitely changed. Yeah. Uh, the base pace, and you know everyone, everyone. It said, "Oh, we're only working for tips," which isn't true. You know, yeah. there's base pace, and there's good base pace on the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, and the the biggest struggle down there sometimes is you know finding some place to park. You know, that's not a bad gig when yeah. you know the, there's already a drum set set up there for you to play. Yes. And you just got to bring in your cymbals and the snare drum and a yeah, you know, a pedal or something, and. Uh, but it's, it's there aren't really bands, you know. Once in a while, here and there, there, you know, a shift, which there's there are three or four shifts a day, eleven to two, two to two to six, six to ten, ten to two, yeah. a shift will become a band, you know, where yeah. a, a group of guys just kind of fell together, and then they start working and become so tight that it it, it grows into something more. Yeah. But other than that, you're just basically backing up a front person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, you you think about Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. Well, Sweet Home Alabama with one band is basically the same as Sweet Home Alabama with another band. Mm-hmm. So once you kind of you know your songs, yeah. you you can play just about anything. Yeah. And if you've got ears and eyes, yes. you know, you're, you're going to get through and just about any gig. Right. And especially if you got players that are helping you with little cues yeah. and things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But uh. You know, some people do things, you know, differently, you know, tempo-wise or arrangement-wise. But, you know, how many times have we played behind a singer that, you know, he forgets the second verse? 
Yeah. And you just jump to the chorus again. Yep. So, yep. you know, being being worried about, oh, are they going to do it the same way? Well, you know, you could play Dixieland Delight with five bands mm-hmm. seven different ways. Right, right. Because, you know, yeah. just what's happening in the moment. Right. And um, there's standards there. It's it's almost like uh, if you go do a, a jazz standard, well, that's kind of oxymoron. But, right. Uh, I mean, um, redundant. Uh, you go do a jazz gig, and it's like, well, we're just we're using the standards book, you know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're going to play uh, all the things that you that, that you know, right? And it's, and it's all, and, right, yeah. right. Autumn leaves, and th- that's kind of the same thing down there. Yeah, where there is a um, a list of songs, and I remember years ago there was a guy that was going around and and keeping track yep. of all the songs and was going to make number charts for all the songs, um, and there's some bands that stay within or some singers that stay within that kind of that that comfort zone from whether it's like Dixieland Delight and Sweet Home Alabama and Take It Easy and all those songs that everybody knows especially when you're doing that kind of country country rock thing right and then like you say there's those individual bands that are going to maybe pull in uh, new stuff right. and maybe stay current. Remember, Todd Sansom used to try and, okay, what's yeah. the latest Luke Bryan song? What's number one? I've had to learn Luke Bryan songs to play with Todd. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. And so he's he stays very current and keeps some of the same guys, and that's for the maybe some of the weekend shifts. So players that want to do that there you have to you have to be able to write charts you have to be able to learn songs real quick and there's no rehearsing no no there's no rehearsing yeah. and even writing a chart uh, you know i i i'll write a, a chart two listens of the song the first time i'll just listen to the song i'll write the arrangement down i'm just been doing slash marks i'm not doing numbers okay. slash for every bar yeah and then the second listen i'll go in and i'll put you know little notation things and get the tempo and yeah. then and then that's it. I'm not yeah. going to go sit behind the drums and bang it out or anything because a lot of times people will ask you to learn a song and then you won't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. so there it is. I'm going to take a half an hour out of my life, mm-hmm. you know, to to not do this. Right. I got better things to do. Sure, sure, sure. There was a well, t- speaking of Alex uh, Stevens, uh-huh. great bass player. And he works, he's been working down there on and off. He carries these notebooks with him. Yeah, no, now he has an iPad. Okay, now yeah, he has he, the yeah, iPad. Yeah. Right, yes. as, most, as most most players do now. Yeah. And But at the time, he, uh, I thought it was interesting, he had these notebooks that he just carried with him. I, I have charts, I have thousands of charts for different people, and then I have them categorized in, in whatever such way I can get the set list from them and then go back in my file cabinet and pull out what I need or what I have already charted at some yep. point, spent that half hour <laughs> doing. And uh, so he had these notebooks, and it was, you know, chick singers. Yeah. So here's yeah. all the songs. <laughs> so here's, you know, we got some uh, Fleetwood Mac, and we've got, you know, all these different chick singer-type uh, songs that these that the singers are going to sing on Broadway. And then he's got another book that's going to be, whether it's going to be, the if he needs the chart. He's not going right. to need a chart for Sweet Home Alabama, but he right. may need a chart for that. Um, now, what about... One thing about yeah. doing Sweet Home Alabama and Chicken Fried yeah, and, you yeah. know, Wagon Wheel, yep. you know, these are the biggies, folks, right. is that uh, the audience we're playing for, that's yes. what they want to hear. They're yes. tourists. They want to come to Nashville yes. and hear the firemen. Yes. And believe it or not, we probably play the firemen better than they do at their hometown bar in Idaho. Yes. 
that band there, you yes. know? So it's it's a thrill for these people. And for us to be like, oh, I don't want to play that song. You know, I yeah. want to have integrity. Yeah. yeah. Integrity is, you know, pl- playing Douglas Corner and yeah. calling all your friends and having them pay a 5 or $10 cover charge to mm-hmm. come hear you play. Mm-hmm. You know, that's integrity, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are guys, you know, of course, you, that's what you, you, you seek. Right. But, you know, if you want to, you know, to make, to work, to make money with drumsticks in your hands, yeah. you got to do these things. Right. You know, and, and to cop an attitude about it is short-sighted. Yeah. Because yeah. you make the people happy. You're going to be happy. Yeah. You know, and, and I swear, every time someone, you know, calls Rocky Top or Sweet Home Alabama, you look around the stage halfway through the first verse, and all the guys in the band are smiling. You know, mm-hmm. we're all having fun playing it. I mean, right. for us, it's just eighth notes, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if it's yeah. these eighth notes or those eighth notes, yeah. it's a groove. Yeah. We're still grooving. But see, but you're talking about working with all these players that, like, that you mentioned, like Kevin and Gage. These guys are great players. They've always had good attitudes. I don't. I. I mean, Kevin is probably and Alex are the guys that I know best. But I mean, their attitudes have always been good. It's always a fun environment, and I would play Sweet Home Alabama with those guys <laughs> any day over playing something crazy with with bad attitudes or whatever. And and that's a good point, though. Also, is that when, when what makes Broadway unique is that um, you could play. The same club, the same shift every day, and you're going to be playing for a different crowd. They are touring through. Right. You're in one spot. Right. And that's the beauty it's of like it. It's like a Vegas thing in a sense. Yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, a couple things. Not only are you playing for a fresh crowd every night, and you can, it's the first time they've seen you, it's their experience. Right. The thing that I noticed about playing down there, and, and I, I don't play down there as much, but I always enjoyed it, was the amount of time we got to play. And, you know, I, I just, I love to play so much. And so those those shifts are three, three and a half hour shifts. Right. And so it can be exhausting, but you're just, there's the physical, you're getting into it, you're playing. But it is, it is just that. It's exhausting. And then there's people that, if they love you, they're sending shots <laughs> up to the stage. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that to contend with. And, man, I'm not in my 20s anymore. <laughs> so, and sometimes if you're playing a shift, say you play till 6 o'clock, and then the next night you're playing till 2 in the morning. Right. And, again, we're not in our 20s anymore. How do you manage that and try and kind of, like, stay healthy and try and keep from kind of falling into some of the temptations of staying up all night, drinking too much. I mean, those, those temptations that having a bar gig is very real. Yeah. You know, you're not just on the road getting into a theater. Okay. There's, there's this and there, there's a very controlled environment. It's very open-ended. You're there, you're driving yourself there. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, I mean, have you had to kind of say, okay, when I'm done with this, I don't know how you are with that stuff. I just don't know. Yeah, no, I'll, no, I don't ha- mind. You know, having some some shots on a, yeah, you know, on a gig. But you just got to remember things like, well, I got to get home. Yes. How much am I going to hurt my family? Yes. You know, if something happens. Yeah. Uh, and 
what what am I? You know, the hardest part about that is that you start the gig and there's not a lot of people there, and so you're a little loose and you're having a couple drinks, and then the the crowd starts coming in and they're getting wild, so you're getting a little wilder with them, and then the next band shows up and they're looking at you up on stage, and this is this is what you're portraying of yeah. yourself this is the drummer i am right now you know three sheets to the wind you know being an animal you know and yeah to, you know it's perception you know right right you right, can't right. worry about what other people think necessarily but you, if you want to work and right. you want people to call you and refer you and ask the sub yeah. you know i i think we've called each other asking to yeah. sub each other yeah. you know of course. Of course. and you know you, that's how you get work yeah, yeah, you show that responsibility yeah, yeah. because there is a line out the door of drummers that oh, want to work that and shit. It's, and it's a business, like yes. I said earlier. Yeah. You have to think about, you know, how 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 do I maintain my business? Do I have a retirement plan? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. what's gonna is my retirement plan my next gig? You know, mm-hmm. or am I gonna put some money away? You know, get some type of investment going because there's gonna come a time. Yeah. Like right now, you're in your twenties, you're in your thirties, you're on the road, you're yeah. drinking free beer, you're riding on a bus, girls are going woo. Yeah, that, that doesn't that doesn't happen. Even right. with that big gig you have, ten years down the road, that gig might go away. And you're going to look for another gig, but you're 10 years older, and they want the new guy. Yes, yes And you're yes, not, yes. you know, you're not that young guy anymore. Yep, so yep. what do you do? Do you want to stay and continue to be a musician? Or, you know, are you going to be jaded and get out of music and do mm-hmm. something else because, mm-hmm. you know, you're not happy with it? Right, right. I've tried to find ways to keep drumming, you know? Yeah. Then yeah. that's why I kind of came off the road is because I wanted to... You know, I wanted to chase my dream, not the artist's dream. Yeah. When you're on the road, you're sitting in the back of the van or on the bus, and you're the lowest guy on the totem pole. Yeah. Especially if you're not playing on the records. Yes. Yeah. You know, you're just replaceable for five dollars less. They can find somebody. Yeah. Whose yeah. feet don't smell, who cleans up after themselves. Don't mm, you know? Right. So you know, it's not like you're a big rock star because you're on their bus. Right. 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 Well. um, can we talk a little bit about um, kind of taking a step back and talk about some of the people that you've worked with? Are those your notes? These are my notes. You can see that small print, man. <laughs> I'm going by memory. Okay. This, they're just shapes and colors, man, at this point. Really, I'm resisting that. As I reach Sorry. for my readers. Yeah. <laughs> I, am, I am probably two days away from that. Oh, I, just, I thought I was just hungover all the time, you know? <laughs> it was like, I can't see that. I must just be hungover. Wait, I haven't drank this week, but, but I still can't see. I know. And then it was like, like, you know, my 40th birthday, I, was a, I put them on in a drugstore. I was like, wow. Okay. I could see this well all <laughs> along. Actually, you know what? Um, before we um, go back to who you were working with, tell me about the tech thing. Because that, I think that's a very unique thing. And uh, I have thanked you many times <laughs> without you being there. When I've walked in and I see felts and I see washers hey, and I see new heads. There's new cymbal stands at Layla's. She just bought three new cymbal stands, so you all know. <laughs> Some of those clubs, and I have maybe somebody calls, hey, can you play this club? I never played there before. And, of course, I get on Facebook and I find, like, Nashville Drummers Group. And I said, hey, guys, what's the drum set like at this thing? Do I need to bring? Because there are some clubs down there where you're not involved or they're unaffiliated with keeping the kits together that you have to walk in literally. I might as well bring my whole damn kit. 
Right. Because I have to walk in with my hardware case along with my cymbal, snare drum, right. pedal, and all that stuff. Because there's nothing but just a, a skeleton of a kick drum with no... With a broken spur. Yep, the Tom Mounts, Lucy yeah, Goosey. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, the, uh, and the the factory heads from, you know, 1992. Hey, man. <laughs> on the bottom. They worked in 1992. <laughs> right, you know? right. What do you mean you need new drum heads? So, um, for those who don't know, there's, gosh, how many clubs are down there between 2nd Avenue and Broadway? Well, I'll tell you, on, on the 400 block between 4th and 5th, on Broadway, there's 18 stages on the weekend. On that and they're one all block, playing at and the they're same all playing time. at the same time. Yes. that's just that one block. Okay, so every one of those stages has a drum. Uh, has a house kit. Has yeah. a house kit in there, and so you know that they just get beat to all. Shit. Twelve hours a day, and beyond twelve hours a day, every four hours, someone's adjusting this wing nut, that cymbal height, that tom stand. So yes. that gear is getting put through the paces with your own yes. gear. You set your tom mount one time, yeah. and then you put it in your case. You take it out of your case. You throw your your tom on it. Yeah. You're not adjusting the wing nut and moving this, and so it's just constant, constant. I think I was, I, was, I was kind of just pulling on a tom, and you're like, hey, man, it's got a wing nut right there. <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> that was not me he's referring to. <laughs> no, it was you. You busted my balls, man. So, <laughs> I, I, so yeah, that's true. So there's how many uh, clubs out of those are you? Taking? I do eight kits. Eight kits. Yeah, so what is seven clubs. And so uh, I just started at the stage yeah. with Brad. Yeah. Uh, and I said to him, you know, hey, uh, can I get an, can I get a change this drum head? You know, yeah, sure. Hey, uh, the cymbal stand's broken. Do you mind if I fix it? And he's like, no, man, go ahead. And then after a couple times, I was like, hey, why, why don't I just pay you to maintain these kits? And it was just like, uh, okay. And then so there were four clubs right there, you know that I was doing the kits yeah. on. And then I went to three other clubs that I knew the owners or or, yeah. or played in and said, hey, I'm doing this for Brad. And yeah. they're kind of the, the, you know, the the benchmark down there are Brad Sanderson Rubles clubs. Yep. And so they were like, well, if Brad's hiring you, sure, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then I've got these accounts and yeah. I go in once a week and um, – Clean, you know, just kind of dust and check yeah. for felts and wing nuts and yeah. that type of stuff. And then if there's a problem, I, I fix it. Yeah. And, you know, every so often I change the heads. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's you know, that's a little tough because I don't want to change the heads necessarily too often because then the clubs are going to be like, wait a minute, we're spending a lot more money than we thought. But I want to keep the kits maintained and the drummers happy by changing them kind of just enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's there's a little bit of a, yeah. a line there where, you know, yeah, it might not be perfect, but mm-hmm. at least I'm still here kind of maintaining it where if it was changing the heads every other week, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they'd pull the plug. I think for a lot of people that play in, in, in certain types of bars and stuff like that, honky-tonks, it's hard to uh, I think it gives a lot of credit to those places that say hey man there's this drum set that most people know nothing about that uh, they're like man I'm going to make this sound good but also man to your credit you, you, probably unknowingly you you created this extra work oh it's, for it's yourself I've, yeah I've got you know a, a Facebook page and you know yeah. a business cards whatever yeah, to, no, try and, to try to get other work and it's funny to go to other clubs and to try to be like hey you know I'm doing this for these guys you want to pay me a little bit of money every week? And I'll mean, nah, nah, we really don't need it. 
You know, we got a guy, he'll come in, you know, the, the drummer on the Tuesday night, 10 o'clock shift, he'll come in and bring an extra head if he thinks it needs it, you know, and so maybe that happens or the spur breaks and, you know, they're taping it to a bar stool so they can get through the gig. And yeah, and thankfully, know. you know, I have uh, the, the people at Mapex and yes. most definitely uh, Joe Hibbs, who's passed recently, right. to, to thank for this because he was really invested in making sure that the Mapex kits that were on Broadway uh, sounded and worked well. Uh, and anytime I needed parts or yeah. replacement stands, uh, Joe would always be like, sure, hey, let's go to lunch. Come on out. And I'd go out there and, you know, there'd be, hey, I need a wingnut for the snare stand. And he'd be like, well, I got this extra snare stand. Just take the stand, you know. That's and great. just so, you know, it's, it's through... People and 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 Jeff out there now at Mapex that uh you know makes it very easy. Remo, you know they're they're basically donating heads, Mm -hmm. basically for what they're they're charging for them, uh, so that you know people can see their product and uh, and to give to the community of the all the drummers that get to play on these kits because there are just so many different drummers that are now playing on Mapex Remo heads that necessarily you know hadn't got to try that gear out before. I, it's it's full. I mean, they're investing. It's they're pretty much endorsing every drummer that's down there. When I walk down there, and I, I've, I've heard like a, the first time I played a uh, was an Emperor Classic, Clear Vintage Emperor, Clear Vintage Emperor. Yeah, was on a kit down there. Yeah, they're great heads. And I went and bought a set. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> You know, as a kid, my sister would put the stack of 45s on Motown Records and give me yeah. my bottle, you know, and dance to the Supremes. And my brothers, then I got older, and they were listening to Mahavishnu Orchestra and the Allman Brothers and Joe Cocker, Mad Dogs, Englishmen. Mm-hmm. And then when I started playing, it was you know, Alice Cooper and Elton John. Yeah. And yeah. then in high school, it was the Cars and Blondie and all the new yeah. wave stuff. Yeah. And I always listened to, you know, like the, the Dregs and Mahavishnu and yeah. and some of the more, you know, fusion types. But I was never that player. I, was, mm. I wasn't I was the choppy technique guy. I was the get-the-room-to-feel-good groove guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I was in a band called the Hibachi Brother Barbecue Big Band, which mm. was a 12-piece band with wow. cello, accordion, baron bow. Just African instruments, xylophone, oh, and we so played cool. international dance music. Yeah, and uh, like we opened for Sun Ra. I, I shared the stage with Sun Ra. Yeah, that's pretty freaky. <laughs> well, that's cool, pretty, man. That's pretty freaky. His drummer yeah. played my kit, and then uh, I got out of that band and I saw an, an ad for a country band, and it was like, well, I hadn't played that style of music. Yeah, which so, country? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did all the other countries, and. Uh, so uh, I started playing country, and I loved it because within the country music, there's so many different styles. There's swing, there's blues, there's bluegrass, there's rock and roll, and I've always liked playing different styles. Yeah. And so it was like, well, here's this one category that's got all this stuff wrapped into it, and I just kind of dove in. Yeah. And you're thinking, I want to do this for the rest of my life, or were you just thinking, I just want to play drums? I just, I just want to play drums. And then I remember yeah. seeing, you know, a picture of a, a Steve Gadd. Yes. In, in, a, in a magazine, it was a Billboard magazine, and it was like session drummer, session drummer. What's that mean? Right. Oh, he gets to play, and he plays all these different types of music with all these. Wow, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And it just, you know, 
just got bit. And did you have a have a teacher that exposed you to this different kind? Just of diff- I had different teachers, you know. Yeah. Uh, so reading, uh, learning to read notation, mm-hmm. and then I played in the. I got kicked out of band like in seventh grade. You know, I was in symphonic band and I got a troublemaker, so I got kicked out of band. <laughs> and then when I got to high school, you know, I was in choir and everything. Uh, I can't sing, but I, I was hanging out in choir. Sure. And uh, the uh, the band director was an old. My brother played in band. And so, the, you know, he knew my brother. And then he was kind of like, well, I'll let you into the jazz ensemble. And so he let me into the jazz ensemble, but I only got to play the rock and roll songs. And the other guys yeah, played all the yeah. all the jazz stuff, and yeah. they kind of looked at me like, "Man, you're not in band. How come you're in you're in here with us?" You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of gave me the cold look. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, got in an original, you know, '80s, you know, kind of new wave band, and mm-hmm. and just kept kept going from there. Right, and right. and it was like. Yeah, this is what I want to do. That was fun. And where were you growing Connecticut. up? Connecticut. Connecticut. That's yeah. right. So, what made you decide? I mean, you were you said you were working with a country band, but what what made Nashville the well, place uh, to go? Darren Favorite, uh, who's a great guitar player in town. He he's with Tom Hurst, Loud Jams, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Nashville drummer jam, jams. Yeah. He's in the house band a lot of time. He what's uh, his name again? I'm Darren sorry. Favorite. Yeah, he okay. plays with Tracy Lawrence now. Yes, yes, I met him. Yeah. Right, right. And uh, his wife was from Connecticut, so he was living at that time. Uh, him, he was living up in Connecticut, and he came and joined our band, our country band, because we were the big country band in the area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we worked together for about five years, you know, all over the Northeast. And uh, he was moving back to Nashville. And when he moved back to Nashville, it was like the, the players that we could get that were as good as him could only play weekends. And the players that could play all through the week, like what we were doing, like yeah. Long Island on a Wednesday night, you know, they weren't really that, they weren't as good uh, yeah. of a player. Yeah. And so it was just like, well, you know, let's, let's go check out Nashville. Yeah. And so I came down and uh, he was working with a, a band and Trey Gray was the drummer. Yeah. And so he introduced me to Trey. He's like one of yeah. the first friends in town. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, his... His stepdad and mom were doing the gospel show on the Opry, Jimmy Snow okay. and Dottie Snow. And so they introduced, he introduced me to them, and I went out to the Opry. Yeah. And um, so I came down for like a month in November of 92. And then when I decided to move in April of 93, you know, they had just lost their drummer at the gospel show. And they kind of knew me from back in November. And Two days well, later? Yeah, boom. Boom. Step in. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Uh it, it, and then uh, you ended up working, uh, doing some road gigs. Uh, Becky Hobbs. Becky Hobbs. Yep, that was an audition. I'd been auditioning for Opryland and just all these different gigs, and just figured that I didn't have a lot of experience auditioning, so I'm just going to audition for everything. Yeah. Just to just to get that experience and know yeah. how to handle it. And uh, uh, Becky was a gig, and I've told her this. Sorry, Becky, but it was something I, I really don't want this gig, but I'll just go and audition for it. Yeah. And when we when we counted off the songs and started playing that crew that was on that audition we just clicked and we just locked in and we just all fell together and she hired that whole band right there and that was my first road gig in nashville and that lasted a while that lasted probably three years okay yeah yeah okay Uh, yeah 95 or something yeah yeah and then i started working with uh hank the third yeah. After that. Yeah. And um, 
we were we we played Japan, the Blue Notes in Japan, and we played festivals over in Europe. And then from there, uh, Rhonda Vincent, who was yeah. kind of coming, she came from the bluegrass mm-hmm. and to do a, a country foray on Giant mm-hmm. Records. Mm-hmm. And so I was with her for a couple of her CDs. Okay. Did you play on the CD? No. No? Okay. No. But and the Hank that. CD, we were, we, were, uh, we were lined up to play on the Hank CD, the band was, uh, and then I got fired. I mean, in the day before I got fired, I was the band leader, and yeah. so Hank and I were on the uh, Shelton. We were on the bus, and we're talking about the session coming up in like a month and what we're gonna do and how we're gonna put it together and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, we stopped about forty-five minutes outside of town yeah. to load up uh, to gas up. Well, you yeah. Know? Right. 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 Sure. And um, and the the road manager who was worked with uh, Junior Hank Junior yeah. went in the truck stop and sat down and ordered a meal, and he's in there just drinking coffee bullshitting with the waitress. Forty five minutes outside of town, right? So yep. and and we're with Hank, you know, we still got our in town gigs, you know, we're still yeah. trying to maintain our Broadway accounts, exactly, because yep. we're not gone every Friday or every Saturday. Oh, I know it, yeah, you know, and you're trying to maintain all that, and it's like, well, you know, I got I got guys in the band, Al, that you know. They got a gig, you know, tonight. Sure. You know, we're just getting fuel. Aren't we? Hey, don't don't rush me here. I'm talking to Sweetie, you know? Yeah. And I rubbed them the wrong way, you know, pushing. And so I get a call the next day. Hey, we're going to make a change. Oh, my gosh. You talk about being the low guy on the totem pole. Yeah. Yeah. And even with the, the band leader, you know, moniker. Yes. You know, oh, right. And getting, and getting paid for it, but, you know. Yeah. But, and, uh. I was, I was just devastated, you know, at that time. And I went in, and uh, uh, one of the managers that worked with uh, Jack was Stan Barnett. And I'm sitting in there uh, after after I got cut loose. I went into the office. They made their decision. I went over to Stan's office, and I'm sitting there talking to him. And he said to me, he said, come on, John, you've been fired before. You know, it's no big deal. And I thought, you know, Stan, I haven't been fired before. Yeah. And I started thinking about... Okay, I've got to learn how to handle this. This is part of the business. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got to. I've yeah. got to learn that you know this doesn't have anything to do with me as a player mm-hmm. or even me as a person. Mm-hmm. If anything, I was fighting for my guys so that they could get their gig. Yeah, get to their gig. Sure. And, but you, you know, you start thinking about the money, and I lost the artist gig, and we mm-hmm. were going to record, and mm-hmm. and you got to get out of bed the next day and still believe in yourself, and right, right, put right. your boots on, yeah, and yeah. you know, still stand tall and do what you do with confidence. Yes. You know, like getting talked down in a session before you know, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I play, I play music not patterns yeah. and still drive the bus you know yes yeah shake it off and just go perform go. and just right. not let that affect become who you are yeah yes i auditioned for um Gary Lewis and the Playboys. Gary Lewis and who the Playboys. who had these big 60s records and you know yeah and Jerry Lewis's son and uh, I, I auditioned for the gig. I had uh, a couple friends in the band. Billy Dean's piano player was the was the musical director for this. I can't remember his Brent name. Brent right Black uh, Blonde hair. Uh, mm. He was a little older than me. Okay, no, it's okay. not Brent. So, uh, so I go in, I do the audition. And if you don't know this, I'm left-handed. I play a left-handed kit. Yeah. Like, you know, Phil Collins or Morgenstein. But not like them. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
And so I get I get a call ten thirty that night after the audition. Hey man, you got the gig. I'm like, great. We'll get you the we'll get you all the material. You know, you nailed it. What year was you're this? The guy. Do you remember when? This is seven this? years ago or something. Okay. Maybe. Uh, okay. You know, it's like you're the guy. I'm like, fantastic, great. Yeah. So, you know, I go to bed. I got the gig. All of a sudden, seven thirty in the morning, I'm getting a phone call. Seven thirty. That's kind of early. Like, yeah. hey, um, Gary didn't really realize that during the audition that you're left-handed. And he likes to get behind the kit and play a couple songs during the show. So we hired another drummer. Jeez. And with Gary Lewis and the Playboys, he always had a double bass drum kit with the logo Gary Lewis on one bass drum and the Playboys on the other. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was thinking, I'd been thinking, wow, so I'm going to get a double kick kit, get an old 60s kit, and, you know, and set it up lefty righty so that he can sit back there and play. Yeah. You know, because I know he's going to want to do that. Yeah. But before any of that conversation even came up, you know, they'd already hired someone else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about again, it's not about you. It's right. it's, it's it's what it and and Right. It's like Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's you just it, So it sucks. It sucks. It totally sucks. Yeah. But you got to go you, you know. You had the gig for uh Nine hours, roughly. <laughs> yeah. So how fully invested. But still, you but go still, to bed, you go to bed. No, yeah. I'm working. This is great. I'm going to be... Uh, Your wife thinks you're a rock star, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you wake up the next morning and you're pulling that Mapco application back out, you know? That's right. <laughs> but I thought that you were... You know. <laughs> When I first came to town, I met Milton and uh, Mike Chad. Sledge. Uh, Milton Sledge. And yeah. Mike uh, invited me to a session. Milton was on. And Milton let me sit in the drum booth like you got to do, mm-hmm. you know, uh, while he's tracking a record. And I'm sitting right by his floor, Tom. And uh, it's just like, you know, that's Milton Sledge, the, you know, the G-Man, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm like, for, you know, is, is Tom, you know, right up close to it, you know, it, it, it just sounded just a, lo- a little off to me, you know what I mean? But you go in and you listen on, on tape, and it sounds great. Mm. And, and, and I found that to be the key that, like, even if there's a house drum kit there, you know, use the house drum kit. Right. Because that's what they're used to hearing. Sure. That's what that engineer is used to hearing. So for you to bring in, you know, your $10,000 whatever, yeah. you know, it's just going to be extra time for the engineer mm-hmm. who's, you know, going to be talking to the producer while you're in the drum booth and you mm-hmm. can't hear them. Yeah. And, you know, it's they're, it's just not quick. And that's one thing right. they want in Nashville is, yeah. you know, they want a, a two-minute drum check and right. then roll. Right. No, I think that's really important. If you are in with your band, with your sound, maybe there's a unique setup or a large drum set or maybe it's a, a prepared kit or something tricked out, there might be a situation where you want to bring in right. what you're doing. But if it's anything besides maybe some cymbals and, and a variety of snare drums, house kits uh, work for the demo sessions, for right. the quick uh, master session or album project that you're working on. Yeah, it's it's very true. And I think if you're using the house engineer, they're as much a part of the sound as you are, if not more so, because they're helping put all that together to make music it makes perfect sense yeah I, i've asked that you know call ahead of time do you guys have a house kit what's going on with this yeah and yeah we do cool cool you yep. know 
there was a session I did recently where there was a drum booth and it was very small and there was a five piece, and I play a four piece kit and there was like a five or six piece drum set and there was no room to move anything and the ride cymbal was right in my face and and I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? I can't scoot it back. There's actually no room to right. do that. And it kind of freaked me out. And I'm like, well, here's the song. And it was brushes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, then if you're left-handed, you, know, I know. And you walk into that room. That's what I'm saying, man. You, you, you really thank God it's just brushes. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask you about this Dukes of Hazard reunion <laughs> tour. <laughs> yeah. That, that, was, that was great. I mean, a lot of us grew up you know, watching these guys and then find out later that they're singers and yeah. you're like, what? What's going on with that? Yeah, uh, Schneider had like 10 number ones. Yes. And he got his record deal without his name on the tape. Oh, oh. Because he, he didn't, didn't want, use it. Yeah, he didn't want anyone to know who he was. Yeah. He didn't want to get the deal because he was John Schneider. He yeah. wanted to get it based on his voice. Yeah. And, you know, and he did. And he had a string of hits, you know? Wow. And then uh, Tom, I worked for Tom first. We were we were very fortunate. We were on retainer, mm-hmm. which means that we got a check every month. Mm-hmm. And then on top of the check, we got show pay also. Oh, wow. Where, you know, if your salary, you're, you're, that's one thing. But right. retainer just meant that we're going to be there for him. Because Tom wasn't always working real steady, yeah. but he wanted to have the same band. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we'd work two, three months. We'd be off for a couple months, and we'd work again. And he'd keep... Keep paying us so that he knew that we'd still be there. That's awesome. And then eventually, um, he booked these Dukes of Hazard reunion gigs, mm-hmm. and Schneider came on board, and Sonny, mm-hmm. Sonny uh, the Sheriff, Enos. Okay, uh, okay. He, he came along and emceed the show, and oh, cool. I mean, it was just such a part of Americana. Yeah. Um, it's uh, something that, that happened with the Wopat thing, is, uh, is we were... Uh, Coming down to the end of the run, and Tom was, Tom was pulling the plug on Nashville, and he was going to Broadway to work in Annie Get Your Gun. So he was like, you know, I'm really not going to... Broadway, New York. Broadway, New York, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I'm really not going to, um, <clears throat> you know, keep, keep the band after this, so the retainer's going to be gone. Mm. So we've got like one show left. Yeah. And I got a call to go play with Jody Messina. Mm-hmm. She had like 10 dates out in California. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And she heads brought, Carolina, yeah, tails, uh, tails California, yeah, yeah, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, heads, heads, Wopat, tails, California, well, Sorry. whatever. Sorry. And so, uh, I would have to miss the last Wopat show yeah. after working with you know for like three, four years, five years with Tom, right? But it was the last show and there was nothing after it, yes. And Jody was 10, 10 guaranteed 10 shows, yeah, and uh. And like, and it could turn into a gig, you yeah, know. Sure. And so I was like, I was talking to uh, Tom's uh, t-shirt girl, like mm-hmm. talking to her about this, and I'm like, you know, I can't do it. I can't do that to Tom. You know, mm-hmm. for them to bring in a drummer for one last show wow. after he's kept me on for so long, yeah. you know, there's just I just couldn't do it to him. And uh, so she went and told Wopat, and he kept me on retainer for 18 months after what? afterwards. Because he appreciated the fact that I didn't. That's amazing, I didn't, man. I didn't pull the plug, and yeah. and that's uh, such a hard decision to to do, especially in this town. Like even with Broadway, you've got a gig and you get called to do something else. Right. You know how do you handle it? How, what's the sub etiquette? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, what is the sub etiquette for you well, in that situation me, like and that? It's, it's kind of my my take on it is it we're here. I'm a businessman. 
I have to choose what's best for my business and I have to find opportunities. So when something comes along, I, I would go to, if something came along and I've got a shift booked on Broadway, I would go to the, to the leader of that shift and say, hey, I've got this opportunity, either a career or to make more money. Uh-huh. Do you mind if we find a sub? Someone that you know knows the book can get in here. Yeah, and uh, I've given you my commitment, so I'll do it. Yeah. But you know the way this town works, and if I can find somebody, yeah, you know, yeah, that that's the way I. And there's a time. There's probably a time restraint, like if it's right up against. Even if it's right against it, if there's a drummer that's available who's done the gig or knows right. the gig, right. then you know you're in. Uh, yeah, I'll okay. I'll put that on the table. Yeah, kind of give it, put it in their court, put it in their court, and right. say you know. What do you, you know, kind of, you know, float it to them and let them decide Mm -hmm. what to do with it. And Mm -hmm. generally, they're going to go a couple guys down the list to find a sub. And if not, then you're going to, you're going to honor your commitment, Mm -hmm. you know, but Mm -hmm. otherwise you're going to branch off into this opportunity, you know? Right, right, right. I guess I'm more of a traditionalist where if you're going to play a country song, you know, yeah. maybe know who played on the record, yeah. what his influences were, why was he playing like that? Why was Buddy Harmon playing on Crazy the way he did? Yeah. Well, how did he come up with the Ray Price shuffle? What's yeah. the difference between Buddy Harmon's shuffle and Larry London's shuffle? Right. Or Paul Lyme and Eddie Bears? They all play it differently. Yeah. So you got to yeah. know those those roots. That And I... Doesn't it doesn't seem like a lot of the newer people know that? Do they have to know that to play I, some I, of these gigs that they're playing? Well, if, like, you're not, if you're not playing any traditional music, then and you're just playing, you know, modern, more modern country, yeah. where Rascal Flats yeah. is as old as you get in your book. Then you know. Then no. Then then but, no. But what's it going to do for you as a player, as a musician? Yes. I mean, I want to know styles. I want right. to, you know, I'll, I've, I've played in heavy metal bands. I've mm-hmm. played in bluegrass, mm-hmm. western swing, mm-hmm. country, blues. These are all bands I've been in mm-hmm. since I've been in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And approaching each of them differently, you know? Yeah. Like, I'll be playing with the western swing, and I'm pulling off, you know, pulling out of my Chick Webb book, or my Smokey Dacus book, who was, who was the, the original drummer in country music at the Texas Playboys. Uh, okay. But then I'm also pulling, you know playing acdc in another band you yeah, know yeah yeah or, yeah or playing al dean and i'm and i'm thinking rich redmond you yeah, know right and right. thinking where's rich coming from how's rich approaching this yeah, yeah yeah you know not that i can play like rich rich is you know, an animal right but you know it's still but still you're still not gonna not, play i'm not you, i'm not gonna play those swing chops and uh and i'm not gonna play the rock chops on the swing stuff you know yes yes and that's the swing thing is my favorite right now yeah because it's just you know just getting to play, and because with that Western swing, you, you're kind of laying it down for you know, you know, four beats to the bar. Yeah. But there are so many different ways to play it. Did you have to do any homework? Oh yeah, I dug deep in the in the Smokey Dacus, the the drummer, okay. and looked at you know, like YouTube videos. Yeah. Like from him being in movies in the 30s and stuff like that, and the the. What was your takeaway from all that stuff? Like, how did that it's change? It's the you? roots of it's the roots of of what we do, and it's and a lot of it's forgotten. Like uh, on some some songs, he's playing a press role with accents on two and four. You know, oh, wow. with with a bass drum on one and three and hi hat on two and four. So it's like, oh wow! 
you know, da 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 yeah. You know, uh, I can just play ding, 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 ding through it, but I'm going to bring it back and do it this way. Yeah. And it's fun. And uh, the way a lot of the, the the walking shuffle started was, and I'll say this for right-handed drummers out there, in his left hand, he was playing with a brush quarter notes on the snare drum. His foot was on a bass drum on one and three. Mm-hmm. And with his right hand, mm-hmm. he would play... Either two and four or the swing pattern, ding, 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 ding. But the whole walking came from the four pulses on the snare drum with the brush. So where's his right hand? Is it all on the snare drum? His his or hi hat. His snare right drum. hand is it's either on the rim of the snare drum or on the hi hat. His his left hand yes is playing quarter notes with a brush on the snare. Yeah, and that's that four four pulse. Yes, and the bass drum is playing one and three. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get the walking, but it's from the snare drum. It's not from the floor on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. And then you know, so on a verse, you could you could have it on the rim, mm-hmm. and then bring it up to the hat, your right hand mm-hmm. for right-handed drummers. Right. Have it on the rim and bring it up to the hat for the chorus to build it somewhere, yeah. or just play on two and four, and then go to the jazz, you know, yeah. pattern. For for the chorus to give Where's it some Where's the two and four accent coming from? Is that, uh, are you just laying it on the right hand? It's just the right hand. Yeah, right he's hand. playing equal quarter notes with his left hand on but the But you're not drum. bringing it down on the snare drum. You're accenting on the hi-hat you're or on the You're accenting on the hi-hat. And the you got guitars playing on two and four. Yes. You got the spank of the plank yep. on the two and four from the, from the upright bass. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a banjo maybe or an accordion, and they're chugging two and four. So you, you already got a two and you already got a two and four pulse going. It's not like you got to bring it down from behind your head, you know, to, mm-hmm. to accent it. Mm-hmm. It's you know, and just to, 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 and it's just so weird because Buddy Harmon, uh, the way he played the shuffle was he was shuffling with the brush, you know, for you right-handed drummers. Yeah. He was shuffling with his right hand. Yeah, and then cross stick. Or snare yep. drum on two and four. Gotcha. And so you know it's those little differences, you know. And uh, going back to the the, the the quarter note pulse with the left hand brush and the yep. accent. How often are you playing that pattern? Um, maybe you know three, four songs. Okay. Yeah, and then even you know, and then for a solo, since you know it's we're a little more than traditional, you know, mm-hmm. I'll I'll go to four on the floor for the solo sections. Okay. You know. Okay. You know, just to kind of give it some push, yeah, to give yeah, it some yeah. oomph, yeah. and then I'll bring it back down. You Is know? there a song that you remember that that's uh, on? Let's see. Uh, um, uh, miles and Miles from Texas. Oh, cool, cool, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm terrible with titles and. Oh, I know. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, I'm more like, okay, it's you know, yeah. at one thirteen and it's quarter notes. And, yeah. I know. <laughs> I can remember tempos for days. Yeah, there's a thousand numbers to remember. How do I remember that? But I can't remember the name of the damn song. Right, miles and miles from Texas. I think it is. Yeah, but that's a yeah. Or milk cow blues is one where I'll do the press roll and then the accents on two and four. That's really cool. That's really cool. And and are you getting? A reaction from the players. Uh, yeah, and then just you know, look, drummers that'll walk by, kind of look at you like you know, dogs doing algebra, you know, tilting their head, <laughs> you know, and you know that the, it just it just opens the it opens something up within the band, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where the volume level is down, 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and the two and four that other guys are playing matters, you know? Yeah. So all of a sudden uh, the lead guitar player is a rhythm instrument, you know, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe it allows them to play their role in a traditional way that taking that modern drumming approach wouldn't allow them. What's the name of the band that you work with that does that? That's uh, Mike Seiler and the Swing Shots. Okay. And when do you guys play? Wednesdays, 2 to 6 at Legends Corner. Okay. Okay. And another thing, going yeah. to the, the pattern thing that we're talking about. And, and so, you know, you have to listen to what everyone else is playing. And playing that pattern lets the guitar player have some more room. Right, to, right. So, like, for instance, with a traditional Waylon groove, mm, mm. a lot of people think, like, there's an accent on the end of the hi-hat. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and there's four on the floor. Mm-hmm. Well, what you look, you dig in and listen, and Waylon lots of times on his guitar was playing downstrokes on one, two, three, four, mm-hmm. and there was a hole on the ands. He was playing so heavy on the downbeat that there was this little hole. So oh. in that hole, you hear the hi-hat stick out. Oh. Well, the hi-hat's really not accentuating the ands. It's just there's a hole, so you hear it. Yes. So but we, a lot of drummers will think, oh, so I got I to gotta accentuate that part. Four on the floor, two and four on the snare drum, and then, yeah. And that's not it. And lots of times the bass drum's not even playing four on the floor. He's playing half notes okay, with little pushes here and mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so you get in a situation, and the song needs that. The song needs that type of pulse. Mm-hmm. But other players on that stage might not know to do that. Yeah. So you you got to be willing to change your part. Mm-hmm. You know you can't just say, well, that's not the way it was, and this is yeah. you know the way I'm going to play it. Mm-hmm. You still got to convey the song, and yeah. maybe maybe yeah. it's going to need the little ands or something yeah. like that. Or yeah. And you work with different people, but is there something that people say, hey, John, this you know I like working with you because. Well, I think that uh, I've always kind of felt like I was the guy that if, you know, you're standing out there watching the band or listening to the band that, you know, you, I'm, I'm not going to do anything that's going to make you go, wow, mm-hmm. you know? But if you're on the bandstand with me, yes, then you're going to have a better appreciation for what I do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads me to, to one, one last thing I want to talk about is that um, you said... Was it tomorrow? (laughs) Seventeen years, twenty-three years ago, you moved to town. Yesterday, yesterday, yeah, twenty-three years ago. Okay, so it's it's April eighth. I know this because it's my son's birthday. He's going to be (laughs) eleven. Eleven years ago, on April seventh, Steve Gad was in town for a clinic. Right. I know this because I had a gig book. It got double booked. So I was like, "Well, great! I'm going to go see Steve Gad." And I think you were playing that night. I was playing. And it was a Monday missed, night. You missed. No, it was a Thursday was night. Was it a Thursday night? It was a Thursday night because yeah. it's exactly because I remember Friday because we had a gig on a Thursday night. Gad came in to Lipscomb University for a clinic. I was there the whole time. I went home. My wife was in labor. We went to the hospital, and he was born at 1.30 in the morning on April 8th. But anyways, I remember running into you, and you said, I didn't get to the clinic but I walked into a... A, a Mapco. A Mapco, and there was Gad. There was Steve Gad, yeah, buying a hot dog with like his two, you know, with his bodyguards or whatever right, they his, were, you know? Right, his handlers from Zildjian. Right. Um, right. And so, tell me about that, because I love this story. I've told this story Well, before. it's just, it was just one of those things. It was like, I was so bummed that I couldn't go to the Gad clinic, because, yeah. you know, of course I love Gad, you know? Right, right. And... 
so you know I'm, I'm i'm stopping on the way home to you know get a soda or something. you're working you're- I, I was working i worked a six to ten yeah you know so uh, it's about you know 10 10 35 i'm driving home i pull over to mapco and there's a bus outside you know you don't think anything of it you know in this town yeah. and i go inside and, and there's steve gad you know putting relish on his hot dog you know <laughs> and it was just and so i walked up and, and you know i'm nervous i'm like hey steve you know um, I wanted to come to your clinic tonight, but I couldn't because I was working. He goes, oh, man, that's, like, so cool. You were working, huh? What kind of gig was it? You know, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, we had a common thing to talk about, you know. Yes, and he was yes. just, you know, just thought it was, you know, that that was honorable, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought he, he said something. He asked who you were. Like, what's your name? Well, a problem could be part, yeah. I, 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 yeah. Uh, that was a part yeah, of Yeah, no, yeah, no, he did, actually. And, and you yeah, said, you said, John Root. And yeah. you said, I think I've heard of you. Uh, and you well, said, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, you haven't. You haven't. Well, you people haven't heard of me either, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, but I mean, I think what it is, is that, and, and, but, it's like I think it's important for people to realize that like there is so much more to what we do, there's so much more to music and the music business than what we read about in the magazines, who we see on the cover of this, who sometimes who we read in the liner notes of of our favorite artists or whatever. Um, there is a lot more to it. There's there's uh, players out there uh, working really hard, diversifying, making a living balancing work, family, all these things. And that to me just it just personified it. I did 226 gigs last year. Holy crap. You know? So, yeah. I mean, to me, um I, th- that's success to me. Well, and you have a daughter, your grandfather, you have uh three stepsons. Yep. Man, a wife, a house, you know, it's, it's, you know, yeah. and they're happy, you know, yeah. I'm not, you know, missing things and, yeah. and, you know, been on the road a whole bunch and I've been, you know, there when they got in trouble at school, I had to go help them out or to give them a ride or yeah. do any of that yeah. stuff. And that's, that's, yeah. that's success. Yeah. I feel very fortunate. Yeah. And when you see people out there dancing and having a good time and you're up there making that happen. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I can tell you this, man. When I was going around, I was looking at pictures, and I was thinking, let's see if I can find some good pictures of John. I'm gonna, so we can use this and see if I can find some. Every picture I see of fans shooting of you, you've got this huge smile on your face. <laughs> Me, I look, I'm, you know, I'm, bre- you know, I, I'm, I'm mouth breathing. You know, <laughs> I have my moments. <laughs> no, no, but I love that, man. There's a lot of joy, and it's just, you're well, just, it just comes from being a. Uh, level of ignorance you know, that keeps it's me happy. bliss it's bliss <laughs> well man I, I appreciate you being ignorant enough to agree to do this oh yeah no hey I want to <laughs> I want to make sure to to mention uh, you know I've had a lot of friends and support in Nashville and you know that this community here uh, like like with you Matt you know yeah, you, yeah. You just just get to hang out and talk it's you know yeah. and and calling each other for gigs or work or this it's really yeah, yeah, not man. as backstabbing you know no. especially within the drummer community yes yes and um, you know uh, the, the the companies that I endorse have always treated me you know very 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 nicely and uh yeah. you know i appreciate sonar and peisty and okay regal tip and yeah. joe montanary drums right you know, all all stuff i endorse and yeah. you know i have to thank them because there's nothing like I, I said this at the session yesterday 
to to use great sounding gear and it just you know it, it just makes our job so much easier yeah 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 for sure and you've been with sonar for a while for like you? 20 20 something years yeah, yeah. and oh. Peisty the same really? and Montanary even longer than that yeah yeah, yeah. Montanary probably since the 90s that's yeah. cool John thank you man uh-huh. I appreciate you dude yeah man thank you so much you're man. welcome thanks for having me so there was John. Uh, we go back quite a ways. I've known John since I've moved to Nashville, so probably a little over 15 years. We edited quite a bit out, but one of the things we talked about was defining success on your own terms, and John has done that quite a bit. Kind of where we went with that was he's a father, and he's actually a grandfather. Just recently, his daughter had uh, her second baby, and you know, defining success on your own terms means many different things. And for John, it it, it means it means being able to play drums and have a family, and and being able to to kind of nurture those two things at the same time. And uh, I really respect that, and it's it's really cool. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was great uh, hanging with John and uh, getting some extra time to uh, to talk. Once again, I want to thank Mike Jackson for his technical help. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta. He'll be uh, doing the host duties for next week's podcast. A uh, reminder, we're part of the Merge Network, which includes uh, Nick Ruffini's Drummer's Resource and Daniel Glass's podcast. Check out those podcasts. And uh, I appreciate everyone listening and commenting and keeping in touch. Your input is really important. It helps us grow. So uh, keep on listening and hope to see you around. Thanks. Bye-bye.